Hey there. Welcome to another Tesla Motors Club podcast. My name is Lewis. I'm Doug. Yeah, I'm Mike. On today's episode, we're going to cover an update uh, on the Tesla bot. Uh, we're going to wrap up Doug's road trip and dig into some cool SpaceX stuff that he saw. Um, and we'll cover new CCS supercharging uh, locations and other interesting things like that coming out. All that and more. Episode 51 starts now. Greetings. How's it going? Hey, gentlemen. It's Ooh. going. How's everyone It's going. going? <laughs> oh, man. Another one. We're here. Yeah. Yeah, we made it. We're, we made it. <laughs> oh, man. So the latest buzz, this new video coming out of Tesla on the Optimus bot. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are you, what are, what are you feeling, Mike, so, when you see this? Do you want one? Do you want one yet? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're about four years late to the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, they're, if you watch the video, it's doing things that other companies have done, you know, three, four, five, six years ago. This sure, is not even. new. Yeah, yeah. Even longer. longer. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's, you know, the individual actions themselves aren't necessarily that exciting, except for the fact that, you know, Tesla hasn't been working on it for that long. <laughs> uh, see, except in this scene right here where the guy's taking the objects and taking them out of it, if only the robot would reach over and slap him, you know. <laughs> if, if only the video wasn't majorly sped up. <laughs> I think that's the goal. I think the goal is to reach out and slap him, right? Um, we, we muted the, the video because of the, uh, you know, if the, there might the music, be a content yeah. strike on the audio, but the, I'm pretty sure the audio is from Ex Machina when, uh, spoiler alert, the the main human guy gets stabbed by the robot. <laughs> it's like, okay, so we're expecting, uh, you know, oh, look at the, these nice uh, fingers and they're able to grasp. That's right. Ooh, I can hold things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think that self-calibration is interesting, though. I mean, that's kind of neat. Again, they're not the first company to do that, but the ability to use its own visual uh, senses to um, calibrate its positioning in the world. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe it's not so much what it's doing, but maybe the methods by which it's doing it. I mean, 20 years ago, uh, uh, you know, there was some project robot I saw somewhere, and it would see objects and pick them up and sort them or whatever. Uh, and it was, you know, not a purpose-built, but a sort of a humanoid-ish robot. And it was just a really a platform uh, for training robots, and it had um, LiDAR in it and... Um, you know, to, to see where the things are and if it's using neural nets, you know, are more popular than they were, you know, two decades ago. Right. So, uh, maybe, maybe that's a more versatile way of, of training. Um, I, later in this video, I they will... show, they show this guy balancing. Um, yep. and I just sort of, I wonder, okay, you know, I was, talking to, to Lewis earlier, like when I see a balancing act like this, I think about, uh, you know, a feedback control system, which, you know, that the concept and those things go back for many years. And the most basic is a, is an analog, uh, PID system of, uh, of feedback controls, proportional, I think integral and differential is the PID yep. bit. And, um, and there are digital versions of that. Um, and, but these are very straightforward things. If you have a couple, uh, parameters that you, uh, you know, have feedback. So you could, you could say you have some accelerometers and you're detecting, okay, where it is. 
and okay, it's going to uh, do it fast enough to come back and keep its balance. You know, are they are they using this with neural nets instead? You know, uh, maybe that's interesting <laughs> in some way. I'm not sure that it matters, right? Like you, yeah. would, you know, PID has is kind of a standard and it's been used and so, it's used in so many different control systems out there right you know anything even stuff with like humans messing with knobs and things they use it for feedback on various stuff but um yeah i mean cool i guess the neural nets probably doing it and they're not doing pid i mean i don't know that there's really an advantage <laughs> versus a disadvantage maybe a manufacturer or a cost advantage although those chips are pretty cheap um so I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it, there's definitely some novel approaches they're trying, I'm sure, and there's some interesting things. And in, you know, their team is kind of coming at it from a manufacturability standpoint, and uh, you know, cost and other things. Um, I'm still not sure that this is that impressive yet, but uh, it's getting there, I guess. <laughs> right, like so well, twenty years so, ago. So let me. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I, I was going to ask the question to both of you. So. As it's putting the pieces in place, the one thing I did notice is it's very smooth and it seems to have a very good um, fine motor control. It's of the very block. slow. This well, video okay. is sped up. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you, if you look at what he's actually doing, like especially when right. a person is there, it's extremely noticeable that this is a right. sped up video. Because yeah, you can sort of you can sort of tell like because there are little micro vibrations and then right fact, there. Look at this. Look at this video. <laughs> it's not even continued. Okay, you saw the guy sort of his hands darting around um, when you saw the one block fall over. Like gravity isn't right. that high, you know? Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, I yeah, mean, it's interesting, but I don't know. It's it's no it's it's one of those things where it's cool. And, at, and, you know, and if you look at it from like a, what humans are used to with technolo technological development, right? Like we look at it and go, oh, it's it's doing this. That means soon it'll be doing this other thing. Uh, what we fail to realize is some problems are like, you know, technical challenges with regard to like the science or the math behind it or materials or other things. Robotics has all of those problems, but then it also has major engineering challenges purely of the you know, it's interacting with the real world. It has to deal with reality and physics and all of these things. So it's like, you know, is is the uh, improvement going to be on this nice smooth curve where like, oh yeah, it does this. And then, you know, two years from now it's in your kitchen and it's using your stove and it's, you know, chopping things for like, no, not even close. Um, the, you know, the problem just gets exponentially more challenging um, the more you do, it, it's, it's similar to FSD, to be honest, right? Look at what FSD <laughs> yeah. did, you know, eight years ago and look at what it does now. Is it better? Sure. Yeah. It's better now than it was eight years ago. Is it so much better that like you can go to sleep? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. So that's part of, yeah. part of why I wonder about, okay, are they using different methods that are somehow more advantageous? So 20 years ago, you know, the, the humanoid robots that you'd see walking around uh i guess the one that comes to mind is is uh asimo from mm -hmm. uh from honda and uh and its main thing was it had a a gyro spinning inside of it to give it uh stability so it was using uh you know conservation of angular momentum to to keep the thing from falling over right. um 
this doesn't look like it has any of those uh, sort of drawers in it. So, you know, if it's using a PID or whatever to maintain balance, one of the issues though is that, um, you know, that that system has to be happening fast enough. Like it has to be getting input and updating fast enough that it can make the little micro motions in like, you know, at least in a human, it's like a lot of times it's in your ankle if you're balancing on one leg uh, right. to make sure you don't fall <laughs> over. Uh, and, you know, if, PID or, or a net, if somehow if a neural net is able to do that faster or, or if they're able to, um, you know, have an array of all the different uh, motors and sensors, all those are going through at once as opposed to, you know, single so, sort of loop with a, a an accelerometer and, a, and one. So, Doug, motor. how would you compare this against Boston Dynamics Atlas, which was the robot they had a couple of years ago that could do the backflips and kind of do the parkour? Uh, course as a demo yeah i mean obviously that demo it was actually shown in real time of course it was a pre-programmed thing uh there were yep. things that would need to be calculated real time like because there's going to be variations every time it does a flip and then lands um but for the most part it's it's a you know it's a, a choreographed motion um but obviously that looks much more smooth it also looks like a heavier bulkier uh mm -hmm. you know machine more expensive and definitely more expensive <laughs> yeah. so you know the difference is balsa dynamics has been doing this stuff for many years tesla's just doing it now um the thing is though you can hire expertise right um it's not like you start from scratch um we all i mean why is techno why does technology advance exponentially it's because we all you know everything's built on top of what's already below it you know so right it's, the speed is is dependent on what's already there. So that's, you know, the definition of the exponential. So, you know, Tesla can move faster. I do like that, you know, they, uh, that sort of Tesla approach to sort of first principles, principles approach. Like if they can design their own motors for, okay, what is the, in, in the demonstration they had, so what is the actual um, torque we need from a motor? How many Newton meters do we need to be able to apply? Um, you know, are they using, you know, simulating tendons or, you know, motors right in, in the position of the fingers, for example. Um, so I, I think the main thing, and, and Lewis touched on it, that, you know, if they're designing for manufacturability, if this is a thing that can actually be built and sold to people, uh, then that, you know, okay, Boston Dynamics, they have the, the spot robots and that, um, you know, companies like SpaceX might buy one. Uh, but it's still not that accessible. Whereas, you know, maybe eventually this will be fairly accessible. Um, I, my one concern about it though, is, uh, given the Tesla track record is probably, you know, say in so many years you can buy this thing and they're going to promise that it can do X, Y, Z, but right now it can only do whatever <laughs> and it'll yeah, be a yeah, software update yeah. before it does what it's supposed to do. And then the uh, computer will need updating. <laughs> and then, and then to get what it's what they promised to do, you actually need to get the the new one. <laughs> the new That's one right. will have the, right. the, the new, new shiny hardware. new one. Hardware I tell you what, hardware. I tell you what though, if they did do that though, wouldn't that that would really uh, speed up the um, advancement though, wouldn't it? It'd be kind sure. of a forcing function if a bunch of people got robots at home that didn't do what what you know it said it was supposed to do on the ten, and then the pressure of getting it fixed and. And yeah. just the, the testing of like a zillion people having it and, you know, how long until it picks up that, uh, that, that knife and stabs you in the back, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like ex machina. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things though. It's like, 
I still at this point feel like this is more about recruiting people to work oh, yeah. at Tesla, right? Like is that let's yeah. be honest, that's come, all this come, is. Come, come work this on is our come cool work stuff. for us because we have cool things that we're working on. Um and and that's a fair, you know, use of it, you know, you can do interesting. They're a big enough company, they can spend millions of dollars on ploys just to get more people to work there, right? Like that mm-hmm. that's a legitimate, <laughs> you know, thing to do. Um, but at the end of the day, like this is more, I don't know. I still look at it as like, this is more sci-fi, like cool than it is practical, right? Like many people have robots in their house today. Those robots are purpose built for specific function. That is generally going to be better. It's certainly going to be cheaper than having a general purpose humanoid robot in your house, yeah, right? You're, like you're referring to the Roombas of the world and, and Roombas, yeah. you know, e- even as simple as like your dishwasher though, technically <laughs> is a way to automate something that a human would normally do, right? There are tons of things <clears throat> in your house that you do that are like tasks that you don't want to have to do. That's and true. if you can have a machine do it for you, whether it looks like a rope, you know, a humanoid robot, whether it's a little disc that goes across the floor, it doesn't matter. Um, but from an efficiency standpoint, it's way more efficient and easier. I should say it's way easier to make a more efficient machine that is purpose built for a task. So like your Roomba, right? Like if you had this, if I had an Optimus, think of all the power and all the stuff involved with the Optimus working on top of it. Then it's got to have a vacuum that's plugged into the wall and it's pushing my vacuum around, right? Like that's not nearly as efficient as my Roomba that's just doing you know, and I, and I feel like that's if we look in the world of how robots are used today, because there are robots used in certain industries a lot. Right. There's, you know, manufacturing, even Tesla for their cars. They use tons of robots to build their stuff. They're generally purpose built robots doing specific functions. Now, they're programmable. You want you don't want it. You know, if it's an arm that moves something, you don't want it to only be able to move one thing. It's nice if it can move multiple things. But still, it's an arm at the end of the day that's like you know, picking up something heavy or welding I, something. I wonder, though, certainly uh, purpose built can perhaps do whatever the specific job it's supposed to do better. And you can eliminate all the things that it doesn't have to do. But if you get a platform that's relatively general, then some economy of scale may may come into play. Um, sure. And so like if they can make this thing and maybe there'll be like a vacuum cleaner arm attachment or something, um, you know, clearly that's that's more trouble than a Roomba. But uh, then maybe you can take that arm off and then have it do some other task like cleaning the windows. Like that's something people hate doing. Right. This thing could probably learn to clean windows. Right. Mm-hmm. Or or your mirrors or whatever. I want it right? to fold my laundry, right? That's like, the main thing, right? The folding yeah. of the laundry. That, <laughs> Some years I, ago, they showed a robot folding laundry, and it took forever, right? Yes. It would, it would, it would scan it up, look up and down, and that was one of those. That was one of those general sort of um, robot platforms, and it's mm-hmm. mainly like a programming platform. Okay, here's the thing, and then now let's put some software on it to make it try yep. to do thing something. And obviously, the worst part of the laundry is the folding and the it's putting folding. away, right? Yep. Putting in the washing machine, no big deal. Putting in the dryer, no big deal. In fact, you can even get washer dryer units that do the same thing in the same, you know, unit, right? right? You don't even have to pick them out and put them in the other thing. Yep. But it's the folding. Uh, I yeah. actually like I actually strongly considered going into that for my for as a startup project um a few years ago of like, 
if I wanted to make a robot or do something cool like that for my house, what would be the thing I would want to do it for? And that was the thing that I was most annoyed about that I thought it would be the most useful. It's also an insanely hard problem. <laughs> it would take, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to solve. Um, so, but I've yeah, got, I got three teenagers or I do a folding laundry as they dump it on the bed and walk away. <laughs> I've tried that. That works. <laughs> or, or, or the things that get wrinkly, like, like maybe some t-shirts. I just, let, you know, just slap it put out, them flat yeah. out and just sort of stack them and then just leave them. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's cool. I, I, I would buy one if it could fold my laundry, if it could, you know, help out in the kitchen, if it could you know, pick up the dog poop outside or, so, you know, uh, various tasks that people don't want to do. Um, are you going to want to spend, you know, $100,000 to not do that? No. <laughs> the no. price point for this kind of thing has got to, it's got to come way down. Um, and I don't know. I put Optimus in one of those, like, if they keep improving it and doing stuff with it, it's, you know, decades away, not years away hmm. to being useful, in my opinion. But I mean, I think about the the like Ibo, like a robot like that, which was really beloved and people liked, and then mm -hmm. it just kind of ended because I mean, it must have not. It have was been a profitable. toy. Um, it oh. was a toy, yes, but uh, it had some, you know, some parts in it that you know would need to be fixed and that sort of thing, and it had a little bit of a personality, I guess. Um, I, I'm just trying to think at what price point would people buy this, uh, knowing that it can't do what people wanted to do right because it seems to me that's when it that's like it i think that's what's going to happen it would get sold if it ever gets sold it would get sold and it would be able to like sort of walk around the room and then sit on the couch and maybe do like a couple like parlor tricks and um you know like i i doubt it would do anything useful at the at the moment that it is coming into homes so yeah but wait you know would pay ten thousand twenty thousand yeah, I mean, it's obviously that's a personal decision up to the individual, but keeping in mind that it's going to also be like the worst form of of an Alexa or a Google Home on <laughs> on steroids with cameras and other mm -hmm. stuff that it can stream to the cloud. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. who's going to be willing to spend tens of thousands of dollars to bring that? I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people aren't concerned with privacy. Mm -hmm. Imagine oh. if they opened it up as a platform that people could code now, on though that would be cool right? that would be the way that i see this being successful um it's also very dangerous obviously people could program them to do bad things but mm -hmm. we all know that this technology is only going to advance going the adult action <laughs> way like seriously that, that well, you might be, be able to, to buy some purpose-built attachments right. for, for this that, like that will be the thing that causes this to be developed and become popular right like that's uh -huh. it's literally what drove innovation on the internet and video technology and audio like all those types of things a lot of that stuff came out of inappropriate for families you know adult that's related right. content um and I feel like that will probably be what ends up happening. And the problem is that they open it up. That's exactly what's going to be made, right? Like those things are what people will make. And would it be very successful? Absolutely. Are they going to do that? Uh, I don't know if they'll do that anytime soon. I mean, Tesla hasn't even opened up their stupid software yeah. entertainment system, right? Like yeah. if they did they that, they it would, would be huge. All right. yeah. That would be a huge, I, please, Elon, please release an SDK <laughs> for my car so I can write my own apps. Um, yeah. But yeah, so... 
I don't know. That'd be awesome, though. But yeah, I mean, I would I would be willing to spend 10, 20 grand, something like that on a humanoid robot that wasn't that useful, but allowed me to program it and do stuff with it as like a as a really expensive hobby or toy. I'd do it. But I also spent 12 grand on FSD and bought a plaid. So I'm maybe not a normal person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, that, again, makes me think of other platforms that didn't survive. Again, in the toy range, there was a thing called Pleo, which was like a really cute oh. like robot dinosaur and i, I was uh, thinking of hero do you remember hero from heathkit you uh, can build your own was that heathkit 1979 is, i was going to say it's much earlier <laughs> heathkits <laughs> are, are uh, kind of before like, my time I, I remember heathkit being a thing it was definitely before yeah. my time there, there was a robot there was a robot you could buy called hero that was a kit and you could build it and then program it had a uh, 8-bit uh, touch panel on the top uh-huh. Uh, it couldn't do a whole lot, but it was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and that was fifteen hundred bucks in nineteen seventy nine. I'm not sure like if that, that works uh, out to that, me today. It's like that episode of The Simpsons uh, when uh, uh, Lenny says to Homer, and they see some robot. Hey, Homer, see all that stuff in there? That's why your robot never works. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, well, I don't good, know. Good I times. If they, again, like if they make the motors cheap and they mass produce them and they're able to sort of put this thing together, this, like just looking at this, this figure, um, and for the, for the audio listeners, we're basically just looking at the, uh, at a still of the, of the, of the, the robot the doing a, it's kind of a yoga move where you balance on one leg and you outstretch your arm and, and your leg to balance yourself, uh, out in the other plane. But, you know, just looking at all these, like sort of. The sort of cabling and stuff. I guess you know it's still just a project. Um, how long does it last on the battery? Yeah. <laughs> how, how long did it take? How many takes do they have to take of this falling over before they got one where it looked good? How long did it take to walk into the room? Could it walk into the room without you know all these types of things? Mm-hmm. They all need you're to be such, fixed. You're such a pessimist. Luke. I'm just saying I mean, before before <laughs> it's before it's a product, right? There's a lot of other things that have to happen, and I and I'm excited that they're working on it. I don't want it to just be Boston Dynamics. They need competition. Yeah. Yeah. They need someone to push the envelope. Tesla's great at pushing envelopes. That. If Tesla never made another car, they still already changed the world and pushed all the other car makers into improving much more rapidly than they would have otherwise. So like, great job, Elon. Good job, Tesla. Keep doing that. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would, yeah, we'll see. I would maybe buy one, but uh, I'm just glad that there's, you know, they're there doing it, (laughs) even if it doesn't become a product. I wonder if they'll treat this like they're starting to treat the uh, Tesla tech where there's discussions of, well, you can use our plug and you can use our technology and mm. we'll, license we'll, it. we'll let you license the tech, you know, for your own robot. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway. Yeah. I'll be a couple of years before there's any real movement on this. I guess next time they have to do like a next time they need to raise some money or something. We'll, We'll see more about it. Um, yeah. I mean, the next big event should be uh, Cybertruck deliveries or something, right? May, yeah, we'll they'll, probably, they'll probably bring one out during that event. Yeah. They yeah. need to have Optimus drive the Cybertruck out. Yeah, or at least be a passenger. <laughs> or, or start doing that, the robot. That would be funny. <laughs> if they did FSD of driving the truck out, but Optimus was sitting in the Cybertruck not doing anything, 
but that would cause people to like lose their minds. Oh, they would lose their minds. They absolutely would lose their minds. (laughs) That'd be pretty great. Here's your onboard (laughs) navigation. Meet Optimus. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like Clippy. Looks like you're trying to drive somewhere. (laughs) Oh, man. That would be fun. All right. Alrighty. So Tesla bot, let's see. We'll see when it comes. But uh, so Doug, you, mm-hmm. you know, we did a little bit about on the last one about your road trip. You, you did come and hang out with me. So Doug and I got to meet in person for the first time and hang out. He got to experience the plaid. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's, uh, yeah, <laughs> my experience at the plaid was uh, as a passenger going to dinner and then coming That's back. True. That's and, true. We, uh, did, we didn't have a lot of time. Let's, let's not blame me. Let's, let's not blame me. There's not a lot of time. Yeah. So it wasn't much yes. of a flat experience, but I did, um, you know, I got to appreciate the the nice interior with the uh, perforated seats and the uh, adjustable screen. And, uh, and um, you know, I'm used to, so this is the, the newer plaid, so it's got the refresh, <laughs> which I actually hadn't uh, gotten around to. Uh, to sitting in before and you know they have the horizontal screen kind of like in the three and the y but it's it, it's bigger it's a little bigger and uh <laughs> and it's nice to have that screen in, in front of you and i do i do sort of miss it um and i and i feel like maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's one of the issues i keep getting uh uh forced disengagements because i i kind of miss the the signal like you know it flashes blue i guess but i'm looking at the road and <laughs> yeah especially when it's bright out i just don't necessarily notice it and then if yeah having, having the little screen in the you know behind the steering wheel basically on the driver and the snx is really convenient for knowing that you're about to get disengaged because it's changing colors or it's doing things and you you don't have to uh you can react in time i guess basically right um, right so i guess you know you know i'll sort of recap on my my trip but you know to add to that when I'm on the road, typically when I'm driving, right, you have a, you have a, um, or at least what I learned back in driver's ed is just sort of have a routine. I'm looking at the road and I look at my speed, look at the road and I look at the, you know, a re- left mirror, look at the road, look at the rear view, look at the road, look at the other side, you know, and you sort of do Grab that. some spinach, eat some spinach, <laughs> look at the road. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> that's you have a sort throwback of to an old episode. Yes. <laughs> I have a bag of spinach to eat. Um, so with these sort of longer trips though, like I'm not really worrying about my speed so much. I'm not checking that as much because the car is doing that. Um, and I'm just sort of sitting, but I, I look, I'm looking sort of further down the road, uh, for weird things. And I will also check my mirrors, but maybe I'm just not as good of it at it. And I tend to just sort of like, just sort of look out in the road and just kind of scan around. Um, and because I'm not expecting to change lanes anytime soon. And so, uh, you know. I'm not really checking my side mirrors so much and, and, uh, <laughs> but somehow, yeah, I, I get these forced disengagements and uh, it's so, so annoying. So I, I think I mentioned last time. So my trip was basically to Austin and back from, uh, from DC, from the DC area. And, um, and I, I broke it up and I went to, uh, Atlanta and spent, uh, a day there with some friends. And then on the way to Austin, I broke it up. I stopped at Shreveport just for the night, uh, and then, uh, then got to Austin. And so anyway, as I was leaving Atlanta, so I had a great trip to Atlanta. Uh, and then I had a nice sort of day in Atlanta with my friend and they're really impressed, uh, you know, they're really impressed with the FSD. So driving around the neighborhoods, this is actually Decatur, uh, kind of near Atlanta. 
And, um, and they're like, wow, that's pretty cool. And, you know, the guy's thinking about getting a Model 3 soon. And I'm leaving early, like it's early Sunday morning to head to spend the night in Shreveport before going to Atlanta. And as I'm leaving, I think I mentioned before, you know, it's picking a weird, weird place to supercharge since I'm nearly topped off. Uh, so I'm like, why do you want to supercharge so soon for, for like five <laughs> minutes? Uh, that's just a waste of time. And uh, so, um, so I'm just kind of fighting with the computer, trying to like force it to go someplace else. And then it gives me, you know, pay attention to the road sort of, and then it disengages on me. And it was like, oh, you've had however many, five, I guess. And I lost FSD beta and I was like, oh no, I have this, this long drive ahead of me. <laughs> now I have to drive. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like maybe 14 hours or something. And, uh, yeah, come on. I mean, that's rough. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the only reason I can do these really long drives or even, you know, attempt them is like, okay, the car is doing most of the work and, um, and it's just less taxing and just having to be at that level for so long, even with, you know, a break every two hours, I was dreading it, but fortunately it's still, I still had navigate on autopilot. So I had that. And the main thing I mentioned last time that I learned was that, yeah, F Navigate on Autopilot is much worse than FSD beta, right? FSD beta has had <laughs> progress, whereas uh, NOA hasn't. Um, but so, That's yeah, true. so I was in Austin and, and Houston, and um, and then I drove down to, uh, um, yeah, I think when I spoke last time, I'd driven down to Brownville. I think we did our last show in Brownville. And... Uh, and I was just about to go check out um, uh, check out Starbase, uh, and it's a long drive. I figure, when am I gonna be in Texas again with my own car? Uh, so I, I went down there, and uh, and it's pretty cool. And kind of share. Uh, I still see. haven't done this, and I live here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's a long drive though, right? Yeah, from Austin, it's probably you know. Probably at least, I mean, from, from Houston with supercharging, it was like maybe seven hours or something. Yeah. I, th I think it's um, like eight or nine hours or something. Yeah. If I yeah. want to do it. But it's just amazing. All this stuff, like right up near to a, uh, a public road. Um, and you know, it's kind of amazing. You sort of drive up and, uh, you know, early see Starbase, like where they're manufacturing and there's a public road that just goes right up right up to these things yeah. uh you know ignore the unlike south, nasa but... where you're three miles away <laughs> yeah sure if you go to kennedy space center you're you know quite a distance we're here I'm just you right, are right up on these things uh and okay there's a little fence right private you can't go past that <laughs> fence but right on the other side <laughs> of the fence is, is uh you know the starship and you can like see the it's detail awesome. and the um and the heat shield and everything. Uh, and here are some, uh, you know, super heavy boosters and whatnot. Um, and uh, I spent a couple of days down there. And uh, it's neat. The beach is nice, too, actually. Like in Boca Chica, the, the water's nice. The, the sand is fine. And, the <laughs> and, and like from the beach, you can like... Be, and the be beers the... are cold. No, sorry. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know where you were going And you see, uh, and we had a full, uh, there was a full stack of the... Uh, of uh you know starship which is pretty pretty impressive here oh, yeah here it is here oh wow um and uh yeah so it's kind of neat uh i mean it was funny because you have people like when i was there i met some dude at 
on a whim flown from London, you know, or not necessarily London, but somewhere in England, uh, you know, people, it's like a little like space Mecca <laughs> and, space uh, <laughs> and you can kind of, there's some eccentric characters down there too. Uh, oh, I can you know. imagine. There was like this one dude, it seemed like he basically lived in a camper, like right across the street from this thing. Like I couldn't just live there, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, and Boca Chica itself is pretty light on resources, but a half hour away in Brownville is pretty, pretty normal town. Uh, and the, uh, the supercharger is right next to a grocery store. So it's pretty, pretty convenient. Um, so anyway, I mean, this thing, of course, when I was there, people were really excited thinking it might launch within the next week or so. And they were waiting for the FAA, uh, Clearance and it seems like the FAA, FAA stuff uh, came through, but now there's a hiccup with the fish and wildlife uh, approval, which hasn't even begun, uh, which has to do with what we talked about previously, which was like, okay, they didn't have a, a deluge system. And if they're going to have a deluge system, they have to say something about where the water is going because that water is now potentially contaminated you know after being right. blasted sure. with blasted. fuel it might it might contain <laughs> some fuel or whatever i mean honestly the the fuels they're using are uh are gas as standard temperature so the fuel should go away <laughs> right but who knows there might be other things uh you know there are other sort of there might be some powerful works or things that they use to um uh for ignition you know and those things are right. pretty bad so you know where is that water going uh SpaceX is, seems fairly lax in terms of what they build. I think there's like a small sort of, uh, you know, pond, a sort of collection pond. But, you know, most of that water, I think, is just going wherever uh, when they do their, their... And it's not even really a deluge system. It's more of a uh, heat deflection system, right? It's, the, it's a... <laughs> they put a metal... They put a metal pad down with just perforated like a shower head and there's water that comes out of it that basically, uh, you know, keeps that that pad cool um, so so the hope is instead of blowing chunks like they did last time they just blow out steam yeah i mean that's how most of these sort of daily systems work but the like if you look at shuttle or sls um those huge daily systems are also um sound suppression systems right um not just for the neighborhood but for the actual uh engines you know because that right. the level of vibration can cause damage sure and uh, yeah, water takes quite a bit of energy to uh, evaporate. And so that's a good way of removing energy from the system. And, you know, evaporation is a cooling process. <laughs> and why, why, why is it a cooling process? Because it leaves, you know, <laughs> once it turns to gas, it goes someplace else. Right. So, um, uh, you know, preferentially the, the stuff that has the higher energy goes someplace else, right? Turns into a gas and leaves. So, um, so it's a pretty good way of doing that sort of thing. But yeah, if they're not going to get uh, fish and wildlife on board, uh, then, you know, obviously this thing's going to have to wait. So it is what it is, but it looks pretty cool. I mean, you can see the updates on it. Like you see these uh, vents here. I mean, the difference between whenever they do this launch, it's going to be something pretty impressive because this thing is, is now set to hot stage, uh, mm -hmm. which is, you know, amazing and also kind of risky. So the thing's going to be yeah. accelerating the whole time. This no, part's gonna riddle me this, Doug. Uh -huh. A lot uh -oh. of times you have I rockets like this. There's my drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I figure I'd just go back a base. Um, 
typically rockets like this are not designed to be stood upright for a very long amount of time. And yet yeah. they're talking like a 140 day delay for the yeah, well, fishing I mean, game. This isn't like SLS where the thing was there and then you're worried about the um, like lifetime on SRBs, you know, or yeah, you got the battery packs or some battery packs or something. I mean, honestly, like this thing in its configuration there wasn't going to launch because they would need to destack it to arm the flight termination system. Uh, and they're able to do this stuff pretty quick and they're pretty nimble about stacking and destacking. So, uh, and they've already, I think, I'm not sure what the current state is, but they had, uh, like uh, last time I paid attention, like maybe a few days ago, they had already destacked it and people were hoping, Oh, maybe it's going to launch soon if they just stack it to, to arm it. Well, but, that, uh, that's impressive alone that they can, they, they consider stacking destacking to be just a normal activity. I mean, I don't know, but they're able to do it pretty quickly. It might, I don't know how big of a dance it is, uh, but, uh, but they, you know, they, they get it done. Um, I, it will be really amazing to see this hot staging. I mean, that the top tank is methane. So you're going to have a rocket engine blasting at a methane tank <laughs> and hoping that that tank doesn't, doesn't go. Doesn't they, rupture, it, burst, leak or otherwise. Yeah. 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 yeah it'll, it'll be exciting, but it's, this makes more sense than what they were planning to do is to flip the thing and then centrifugal force will separate them. Now they'll, they'll just stay in a straight line and then, you know, they'll just like ignite the second yeah, stage push before it away. the first stage is done. Yeah. So neat. You know, anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, Good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I went there and then from there I went to, um, uh, I went to, I guess, New Orleans. That was sort of on the way. I thought I could check out New Orleans for a little bit uh, before heading back to Atlanta to hang out. And I had a couple things that are sort of worth mentioning, some things like sort of some niggles <laughs> that popped up while I was dealing with this. Um so while I was in Texas, it was very hot. I mean, most of the time it was triple digit temperatures. I mean, I, I'd be driving and then, uh, you know, get to a supercharger to charge. And then as soon as I step out, it's like, <laughs> it's, oh, it's melt. <laughs> it was so hot. Um, and uh, so I stayed at some pretty cool uh, Airbnbs. Like I had one. Uh, so before I went to Boca Chica, I was in uh, Houston and I, I mentioned before I had a tour of uh, Mission Control and stuff, and I had an Airbnb that was a townhouse near um, near Johnson Space Center, actually walking distance from Johnson. So I I left my car in the garage and and I plugged my car into charge, but I had an issue, which is that it was so hot, and this garage itself like was really hot, um, like it wasn't insulated. Um, that I got a warning that uh, charging has been slowed because. Uh, because the temperature is too high at the outlet, you know? So the car has some oh, protection. Wow. It, it's detecting, <laughs> you know, it thinks it's detecting dual heating and that, okay, we need to reduce the current because the thing is so hot. And it's a positive feedback system that can be, you know, you, you could get a fire, say, because the, the hotter right. it is, the more resistance there is and the more resistance yep. there is. If you're keeping the current constant, the more uh, heat there is. So, um, so it, it will reduce that, but this is just because it was just hot outside. Uh, and uh, so it reduced me down from, this was just, you know, 120 uh, volts uh, and 12 amps, which is fine. If, you know, I'm parked there all day and I walked to GSC, but it like dropped it to six amps, which was like, okay, this is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's pointless being plugged in at that point. Um, 
And yeah, you get one percent during the all the hours you were out. <laughs> you know, I I don't remember. It might not have been enough to maintain the uh, the HVAC know, the, for the battery. <laughs> the HVAC for the battery, and I had the the sentry mode on too. Mm. Um, and something similar happened when I just spent I you know I just spent a day in New Orleans, and mainly I needed. I was going to Atlanta, and I figured I needed a break because um, yeah, coming from the southernmost tip of Texas, even getting to New Orleans, it took it took a while. I think maybe that was ten and, hours or so. And you're driving an SR Plus, right? I'm. Or you got a. I'm driving what's called what was called the mid range. Yeah, mid range. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you can't even find it. Like when you try to register the car, all you all you can do is say long range. But you know, it's a lie. It's <laughs> it's it's mid range. So so shortly lived uh, as a uh, as a bit of a cash grab, which you know I fell for. Um, so yeah, I mean the thing is the the range is enough. Uh, you know, I'm I'm drinking water and stuff, and by the time. The, by the time well, I'm, I'm just comparing notes because I've got an SR Plus and I get uh-huh. 190 miles. Okay, so SR Plus, that means standard range, but they gave you a fancier interior. That's what the Plus they is. Did. Okay, they did. so it's just standard range is what matters, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I hear a lot of people talk about Tesla's short legs and how you can't road trip it. And yet here you are gallivanting around the countryside, you know, a lot. <laughs> and, and seemed to be doing pretty well with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never had any issues with range. I never had a problem of, oh, I'm not going to be able to make it to that supercharger. You know, like I said, I mainly would like try to make it go a little farther, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, I prefer fewer stops longer. You know, if my stop's only 15 minutes, that's actually a pretty short stop. Um, it is a short stop. And, uh, you know, it's somewhere like 20 minutes or so. And occasionally, I you know, I, I just sort of wonder how it's how it's calculating if it. I mean, I I would assume the thing that you optimize for is time. So what's going to take the least amount of time? Uh, it could it could optimize for energy. It could optimize for distance and all these other sort of efficiency type things. But I, I hope it's optimizing for time because it seems to pick it make the most sense. It's yeah, it seems to pick superchargers that are even if it's a like even if I have enough range to go to a farther supercharger. Uh, you know, so I can, I can eat in, like, and go down to like 15% instead of 20%, say, um, right. say to charge, it seems to pick a closer one that is closer to the highway. So I have less of a, of a detour to get to it. And so, you know, even though, you know, I could drive for longer, it's picking a closer one that maybe it makes the total trip, uh, shorter, you hope. But I, I did have some issues like with navigation. Sometimes it would seem like the navigation and the autopilot or FSD would get desynced or something. I think what was going on is there, there might be some construction say. And so you would have like, what would be like one going one direction would be quite a distance from going the other direction. There might be like a, like a very large uh, median. And instead we're all on the same side because there's construction on the other side. So it, it yeah. maybe it thinks I'm not on the road, and then like every, it keeps telling me, "Oh, I need to make a U-turn to get back on the road that I'm oh, supposed yeah. to be I've on." I've seen that. Yeah, and it's doing it like every few miles, and that's <laughs> that, you know that was kind of annoying. Um, but you know, okay, I could just sort of ignore it. Uh, one of the worst things was, 
you know, the, the traffic rerouting, like, I'm not sure how often it is, you know, looking at traffic or thinking about my state of charge and sort of recalculating the trip. And sometimes I would, I would just sort of purposefully remove the supercharging stops and then add them back. So it would sort of recalculate I've, them. It um, forces a reset. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it would like take quite a while. And I was like, why are you taking that long? So, so I, yesterday on, on my trip, I was doing a, a long trip yesterday. Um, I had an incident. I've never had this happen before where it would recalculate my route, but it was basically taking me off the freeway up to the on-ramp and then right back onto the freeway because it figured out it could save two minutes, you know, if, yeah. if I had done that. And yet I was telling my daughter who was with me, I said, the, the fallacy of that is now you have to merge back in the traffic, which is a bit of a challenge when it's really stop and go. So what's the point? Yeah, and I've, <laughs> I've seen that several times and I'm always a little bit confused about it. Um, but for example, this last time I had a, uh, I think I was, yeah, I was going from New Orleans to Atlanta and there was some road that um, I guess was having traffic. And I, sometimes I have my phone to, to look at the Google maps to, to see what yep. the traffic is. Cause that updates, I think much more, real, almost near real time. Yeah, yeah. Near real time. And so, you know, the car was going to take me off the road and I'm like, why are you taking me off the road? It looks like it's the same direction. I'll just stay on. So I skip its first suggestion to get off. So I stay on and then eventually, oh, okay, yeah, I hit some traffic. So now it's suggesting I get off and it, I'm getting off in a mile. So basically I'm in stop and go for a mile. So I'm just sort of sitting there and the, and the traffic is, is really slow. It's like, yeah, pretty okay. much stop and go. And, but as I'm approaching that exit, things start to, you know, start to clear up. And it's, so I've been waiting for a bit and like maybe I'm in stop and go for, 20 minutes or so and that traffic's starting to move and it's still committed to taking that exit and some and and <laughs> it hasn't recalculated anything roll the dice <laughs> and as it's exiting as it's exiting you know i sort of refresh my google and google has gone from red to yellow to green it's like oh it's all green yeah. now i'm like no yeah, <laughs> like, yeah don't get you off can, <laughs> you couldn't figure that out in the time we were sitting here that oh by you know by the time we get up here it's going to be fine and and it added quite a bit it added like another uh it took it took me off and then i'm like okay well i'll just go with what you're telling me to do it, it would have been better for me to actually just turn around and try to get back on the highway but you know yeah. i was going to try to let it do what it thinks is best and it wasn't best i I, I did have an incident that that you'll probably appreciate. So we were coming into Phoenix, and mm. they shut down the entire freeway, all lanes leading into Phoenix. So literally, you know, something like six or eight lanes of traffic are all getting off to go around town. And Tesla told me to take this route that took me, like, way out in the middle of nowhere. And... I'm looking at Apple Maps and I got Google Maps and I've got Tesla Nav System. I got all three up trying to figure out what's going on. And what Tesla had done is they had looked at the rest of the roads where everybody else was trying to get around this and decided it was too much of a wait. And I could actually save at least 10 minutes by going way out here to the, to the Indian Reservation and cutting across the Indian Reservation on this little two-lane road and pick up the freeway on the far side of Phoenix. Now, 
that requires a level of trust with the nav system. <laughs> so was Tesla right? <laughs> it was right. It was huh. right. <laughs> I mean, Tesla has a long history with the Indian reservations, so they do, they do. <laughs> but but I'm telling you, when you're driving out there it's, and there's where they sell nothing their cars around you, yeah, not allowed to sell. it was it was a joke at the dealer model. Sorry, <laughs> he, he looked he looked confused and concerned when I said that. I was well, just explaining the joke. When, yeah. when uh, I was thinking of poltergeist for some reason, when <laughs> they built <laughs> it on a burial ground. ground. It they didn't move the bodies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I've learned to trust the nav system to a large degree, but there, uh -huh. it's a little flaky around the edges every now and then. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it just seems locked, uh, like it's trying to update and it's just sitting and spinning and spinning. And then right. I'll just it like, doesn't actually I'll, update. Just, I'll just end it and then start again. And then it comes back. So I, I don't get that. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, but overall it's a good trip. Uh, everything was, you know, I never worried about range. That was never an issue. I just worried about like, oh, can I hold it long enough? Like, oh, the next the next stop isn't for an hour. You know, am I gonna? Can I hold it for that hour? Uh, or or maybe I'll you know because you wanna you wanna make maximum utility of your time, right? So like, well, maybe I'll just go to a a, a closer supercharger for my bathroom break, even though that's right. I don't need to charge yet. Um, so that's the main thing. It's just it regulation of the bodily functions i think is probably one of the main the main part a little challenging yeah. i'm never worried about charging it's just you know like you get like i'll have some tea and sometimes i chug that tea and then you're like oh, oh that's a mistake <laughs> all you're saying this, is this whole volume has disappeared <laughs> and like it needs to go somewhere and that's like, right uh, i'm waiting for <laughs> tesla's you know to use the video in cavern in cabin footage to determine the ages, genders, and number of people in your car, uh -huh. and then watch how much they're Predict drinking. Cal you can calculate based on average bladder size, and it will know when you need to stop. Well, they might as well measure some physiological things. Uh, when I spoke yeah. about uh, it was the Vin AI, you know, the Vietnamese company, they were using the cameras to look at things like, uh, you know, uh, heart rate and, uh, you know, are you, you know, how are you feeling? Are you drowsy? Are you having a medical issue? And they might they might key into your uh, your smartwatch and you know look at your yeah look at your heart rate and look at um, you know like the Apple Watch will tell you if uh, it thinks uh, you might be having a cardiac event or something. The nav will just I was just thinking if your heart hospital. rate yeah if yeah. your heart rate's going up they're going to say oh are you stressed let me put some calming music on for you. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of things you could do. Um, I guess one of the other things I just wanted to mention is um, and this is the worst. I, I'll be driving in the evening. And um, I will often get these um, FSD, um, uh, let's see, something reduced. I forget what they call it. Uh, maybe uh, degraded. Uh, yeah. The capabilities mm -hmm. may be degraded because of road conditions or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And the worst one would be camera may be occluded, right? <laughs> it, it thinks the camera's <laughs> occluded. So it goes a doo doo doo. And this is happening like every minute. There's a doo doo doo. Camera, you know, FSD capabilities may be degraded because a camera is occluded. I, I can't see. Yeah. The camera is not occluded. It's just dark. Okay. It's just dark. <laughs> so it, it just can't see anything. Right. And, and it's thinking the camera is occluded. And that, I mean, that's the sort of the, the downfall of having, uh, you know, a passive sensor like that where, 
you know, just because they can't see anything doesn't mean it's covered up, you know? Well, Tesla vision is going to save the world. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so I just, I mean, I think about that as a sort of a, of an engineering problem. Like if it had, I don't know, I don't know, like, like, you know, Tesla doesn't want to do LIDAR or whatever, but imagine if it had LIDAR, it wouldn't have to be on all the time. But when it thinks the camera is occluded, it could, you know, all right, just send a ping out, see if there's anything out there. Or, um, you know, the whole Tesla vision thing for like, you know, replacing the parking sensors and say it's dark and here's the nose of the car. I guess you have headlights, but um, maybe, I don't know, maybe just can't see, right? Uh, like maybe have an infrared sort of ping or, yeah. you know, it doesn't need to be on constantly, but just let it know, just check, <laughs> see if it, there's anything there. Cause that was so annoying. Okay. You're driving and you know what? Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're listening to something, if you're listening to, to music or a podcast or something, whenever those alerts happen, it reduces the volume of whatever you're listening to That's true. to make That's those true. alerts come out and that happening every minute. It's, it's worse when you're listening to like a story or a podcast or, you know, a book on tape or whatever, because uh, you, you miss you it. You lose something. They call yeah. those audiobooks now, by the yeah, way. Yeah, audiobooks. People yeah. don't know what tape is anymore. <laughs> um, books on tape. Damn it. Um, I've got my cassette adapter in my Tesla. I'm, I'm not really dating myself. It's just that when I was a little kid, I, I was very precocious and I listened to them when I was quite young. <laughs> so I listened to there There were books on tape from the library back then. Books on um, MP3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was probably one of the most annoying things. I'm coming back. It's late at night and you have to hear that every every minute. It's like, come on, man. And it, it must be the side cameras, right? You know, there's just nothing. There's nothing illuminating the sides. There's no car behind me. Uh, so I just can't see anything to the side. I mean, to the front, you know, there are headlights. So it definitely sees something. It sees the road. But yeah, it's that was really annoying. So. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for the future, you know, in terms of what things they add and uh, and uh, you know what what things they um, you know are able to fix and and they should there should be a software fix for this. There must be uh, probably, you know, because yeah. that's just that's just everything can be fixed in software. That's just the way of the world. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, right. Well, speaking of road trips and things that help with road trips, uh, Mike. You're going to give us a little little detail on this new CCS supercharging station. I guess the company's called Rove, something like that? It's called Rove. It's called Rove, okay. R-O-V-E. Um, ironically, they are not known for charging. This is something new for them. Uh, we got a, um, I say we as the community got a announcement in our local newspaper, and it's been picked up by a lot of other folks, that they... Here, here we have a small town called Santa Ana, and there is a EVgo station that's got, I think, 10 stations, 350 kilowatts, and within a block is an EA station of maybe five stations. And Rove announced, complete with an artist rendering, that they're bringing in a 40-station EV charging center. And what it is, it's much like the Tesla Lounge up by Kettleman. Uh, if you were to go up to San Francisco and uh, there's a little town called Kettleman where they have a Tesla lounge you can stop at and they got the solar panels up top and they've got the the lounge you can go in and get a cup of coffee or get some food and little workstations set up and they have they have listed a page right from that 
where they are going to be offering 24-hour lounge. They'll have the coffee. They'll have the food. Uh, there'll be a car wash, uh, free Wi-Fi, restrooms available. Um, it's 1.2 acres, so it's going to be pretty good sized. And it is CCS. So this is the first foray into what I'd consider to be a large-scale supercharging equivalent for the CCS users. Uh, they plan to bring out five more here in Southern California. They've rattled off a list of places, Long Beach, Torrance, uh, Corona, and a few others. Um, if, if the reality matches the rendering by any stretch, it'll be a pretty cool thing. And no, I didn't see, nor can I find anything where they'll have the Tesla charger uh, I was going to ask. Well, okay, so cool. I'm a little bit. Uh, the North American charging standard is that's right. anywhere. Can't see it referenced anywhere, but I've got my CCS adapter, so I'm good. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is, yeah, this so is a little bit. good news for anyone that's using CCS. Yeah. So, like What'd I was saying, think, I'm a bit skeptical. Uh, like, let, let, huh? You, you like that clear that? glass that's supposed to be solar cells? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I don't really see if that's, well, I mean, uh, a canopy is nice regardless. Uh, it should be solar cells though, if, if you have the uh, money for it. Um, I'm just not, I'm not sure that this kind of model makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I mean, it's, it's good to have a lot of chargers, but you know, they should definitely be along major highways because the people, the only people that really should be fast charging, uh, should be, you know, people that are, uh, you know, on a trip, right? Hopefully your daily commute you can handle with some kind of home charging situation. Not everybody has that. People live in, in apartments and whatnot. So, uh, but also just to, I would, to be able to support the thing, right? The, the cost of the place. Um, yeah. I think the model, like the Bucky's model or whatever, makes more sense where you have, you know, it's not just EV drivers that are going to enjoy whatever the, the lounge is. It's just everybody that is commuting. Uh, and then, you know, maybe as time goes on, some of those gas pumps, you know, get replaced by, by charging stations. Uh, uh, but you know, you don't want to limit 90% of your potential, um, customers. Uh, I, I don't think, right. Uh, I, on, on the retail stuff, right. The retail I'm wondering what's stuff. driving this is you've got a lot of agreements with EA in particular and EVgo with the OEMs, you know, if you buy a Mach-E, if you buy a Mercedes, if you buy, you know, a Chrysler or something like that, they've all got these agreements where you get free charging, but it's just garbage. And I'm wondering if they're hoping to leverage that because in talking to people at the CCS chargers, a lot of them do not have home charging. They're living on those CCS chargers or at least trying to. Uh, there seems to be a very different mindset from, uh, from the CCS consumer versus the Tesla consumer. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you why. I haven't really done any in-depth talking to them. It's just, you know, chit-chat as you're standing there wasting time charging. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's, I don't know, there, there's maybe something to be said about, um, like Doug mentioned, you know, a lot of folks are in apartments or things where they can't necessarily have home charging, although more and more apartment complexes are adding that in or making that a viable option. Um, I have a neighbor that, uh, you know, bought, uh, you know, they, we talked about EVs cause they saw I had, you know, my Tesla and they ended up buying, um, some Audis and things like that. Um, and the, there was a challenge for them to, uh, get their 
their home charger installed. Uh, it cost a lot of money because when the house was built, uh, it wasn't built in a way where it expected you to be running this line <laughs> into the garage or whatever, right? Sure, um, sure. And and it's new construction. I mean, the house is only built, you know, in the last uh, five or six years. Um, so I think that there's definitely, there's something to be said where there's going to be folks that, you know, charge at superchargers regularly. That's the primary way of charging. Um, I agree with Doug, though, that that's not really ideal um, for both the person, but also for our, you know, our electrical grid and the infrastructure that we have in this country, um, centralizing these super high power need spots where people all go to and you're waiting around. Um, it's just, it's hard to do for like the infrastructure and routing of all the power and all of that. And then also you have this weird, you got to provide services for folks, which yep. kind of gets back to like, you know, almost, you know, having like those road, you know, highway rest areas. Um, although now you're talking about having them not by highways and stuff like in this case, uh, which is just, I don't know. I don't see how it's economical to do in the long run, unless they charge ridiculous rates on the electricity, which kind of defeats the whole benefit of having an EV in a lot of cases. Um, but let, so. let me ask you this. In fact, I'll throw this out to both of you. So on my car with my short legs and my small battery, charging the home is actually pretty reasonable, even though I've got four EVs. But if I had a Rivian, you know, or a Mach-E with a, with a hundred kilowatt pack, or, you know, some of the other vehicles with these huge mega packs, cause they're just kind of inefficient. Charging at home is not that practical, especially if you got multiple cars. Yeah, I mean, it de- it depends. It's more about how much you're using each day, though, yeah. right? It's how much you drive um, is the real. It's thing. how much you drive because you know my car has you know the the Model S Plaid has like a hundred and ten kilowatt pack in it or whatever. Sure, kilowatt hours. Um, kilowatt hours, I should say. <laughs> kilowatt hours. Um, energy and, not power. Yes, energy not power. Um, and the uh, you know it's. I've never had it take more than a couple hours to charge because I'm not driving enough to where I need more than three hours to to get back to 90% or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it depends. Uh, and I could easily run at my house. I could, you know, run another line that I did dedicated. You could split it across two cars. So yeah, if you, if you have five EVs, like, okay, maybe, and everybody's driving, you have a big house and lots of people driving all over, sure. Like I kind of get it where maybe you don't have the infrastructure depending on when your house is built. But um, most people I don't think have that scenario, right? Like most families probably have what, two cars in the US, if I had to guess yeah, on average. That's probably reasonable, um, yeah. And two EVs is not a problem for the vast majority of single family homes. Um, and certainly uh, with, um, you know, apartment buildings starting or, you know, putting in chargers. No, um, I think it's less of a problem. I've seen this where the new EV owner, which is used to gas mm-hmm. treats the EV like a gas car where they could run 100%. into E and you know, I I've got, I've got gas. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to take it all the way to empty and then I'll charge it or fill it or whatever they want to call it. Yeah. I, I see that as a bit of a, an educational problem. You know, to get people, you don't have to fill your hundred kilowatt hour pack from zero. You can if, top it off every yeah. day. If and, it's in my garage, it's plugged in, right? Like yeah. it doesn't matter. It's plugged in. You want and it plugged is, in all the time. 
Why did they do that, right? Because it sucks so much going to the gas station, right? It really does suck to go there. It, and, well, and so, so you're going to run it till, till empty. But yeah, if you can just plug it at home. And that is, that's an experiential thing. Once you get used to that, like, oh, as they say every day with a full pack or whatever. Honestly, if it's me right. and it's every day, I only charge like 60% or something, right? Because I'm not really driving that much. <laughs> and, and, and keep the state of charge, you know, in a, in a more happy place for the calendar life of the battery. But yeah. And if I know I'm going to go well, someplace and I'll get it up to 90 or 95 or whatever, just before well, leaving. like I said, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out across these five sites or at least this one site to see if they can make it work. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a positive that more companies are looking at doing this type of thing, right? Like we do need more charging stations across the country and across the world, you know, in various countries. Um, it'll help the adoption become more widespread. It'll make people less concerned about it. But yeah, I, I think the, the mindset is really the problem, right? People think that I need to have a gas station all over the place because they are used to this idea of needing to go and get gas. Um, and yeah, I've had my car for over a year. Granted, it has a large battery pack and I don't drive. I haven't road tripped it at all, but I've never not charged it at home. Never even needed to. And I feel like a lot of people could operate that way, right? Even if you're commuting now, granted, I'm working from home right now, but even when I was commuting in right, Austin, right. going downtown, I would still only ever need to charge at home. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it'll be good for more of these things, especially for road trips um, and to alleviate folks uh, with their concerns so they're more willing to uh, purchase an EV. Well, I guess time will tell. Yes. <laughs> so another one, another topic to bring up, we, we probably should have mentioned it in our last show. I, I don't think we did. Uh, is that FSD's price was reduced. Isn't that crazy? Uh, <laughs> so this thing that seemed like this cash cow, right? Tesla has been, you know, as FSD has improved a bit, they've been raising the price up. Now, most people would probably argue the price was the perceived value of what it would be once it was fully delivered and not the value of what it was actually capable of at the, as they were raising the price. Um, but they did raise it all the way up to 15,000 and they've since backpedaled. So I think 15,000 yep. was, uh, uh, last year, uh, they, they raised it up to 15,000. I think it was about a year ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, it was, it was the early 2022, the beginning of 2022 in January when they raised it from 10,000 to 12,000. And then later in 2022, they raised it from 12 to 15. Now they've since dropped it back down the beginning of this month from 15 down to 12. Um, and so what I would guess is that they weren't seeing nearly as many people buy, <laughs> um, as they ra raised that price up, uh, because let's face it, the resale value is not there. Um, oh. and if the hardware upgrades and things aren't carrying through, like what is the value, right? If you're not going to upgrade my hardware for free and when I sell the car, I'm not going to get that money back. If I don't think I'm going to own the car long enough, like why am I spending that 15 grand for the thing I'll never have? So I thought it was interesting. They dropped it down to twelve um, thousand uh, all-out purchase. Still, our recommendation is the subscription Subscribe, is probably yeah. the better I'm way to go. Paying, I'm paying one ninety nine, and it's been that way for two years. Yep, and if and if you have the enhanced autopilot, it'll only be ninety nine a month. Um, so yeah, so I still recommend subscribing. But uh, but yeah, it was interesting. I was I was a little amused that they dropped the price. Um, I'm wondering if they'll even ever drop it again. 
Uh, you know, I was almost surprised. Why didn't you go all the way down to 10? 10 is a nice whole round number, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I think part of it is, um, you know, they've been doing overall sort of price cuts, right? Uh, mm-hmm. On the, the vehicles. And then, you know, like if you can get a, uh, model three for what's the current price, like close to 40 or right. something. Right. Um, well, with the tax credits, it's like 34. I mean, it's insanely cheap that, right now. That's okay. But now imagine basically a 50%, like, like 34 or something. That's like uh, 40, say 40% of the cost of the vehicle is the software. Um, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, that's, that's quite significant. And, yeah, uh, I mean, they are able to, you know, uh, tweak their uh, their pricing pretty easily, right? Uh, they don't have a dealer network of, of a buffer. Um, so, yeah, if they decide, okay, well, this thing... And, like, if they're able to sell FSD, that's basically free money, right? Uh, True they're that. selling software, right? Like, the, the incremental cost to them for someone else getting FSD is, is basically zero, right? Whereas, okay, mm-hmm. now you got an extra 15k if, if not enough people are, are doing the uptake then okay let's drop it to 12 and i'm sure they're pretty good about modeling this out and say oh well at 12k we're, we'll get more people to do it <laughs> so so yeah why not i'm um, honestly surprised they don't have two prices one for model threes and y's and one for model s and x because you know the s and x folks are already willing to pay more money for the car they probably yeah. on average will have more disposable income. But if, if it, has it would no piss extra, off people. Yeah, if there's no <laughs> extra capability, how do you justify it? Not that they wouldn't do it anyway and come up with some kind of fake thing. It, yeah. You know, it makes me think we had a, um, let me add this. <clears throat> we had a, a thread. We haven't quite been doing threads of the week uh, lately, but um, here's a, a thread recently. And this guy is Goose66. And it says, Tesla FSD, a five-year perspective. So, you know, you guys can go check this out if you want on on TMC. I think we we probably have it up on the on the front page somewhere. But um, you know, basically, the guy gives his story, which is very similar to mine, right? His he he started with Enhanced Autopilot. He got his car August twenty eighteen. I got mine December, um, and he uh, and he paid the extra two K to get FSD. Now I know if he paid two K, that's when they had the the little break because it used to be an extra 4k but they they dropped it down to 2k and you really got nothing you got nothing for that 2k there's no extra <laughs> there's no extra capability or anything at that time you got the promise a, for the just future. a hope you got hope. the promise yeah. of of a hardware update and if he got his in august he probably had uh hardware 2.5 and got the new thing which they then called hardware 3 you got the new uh you know the new board installed um but his you know his overall uh opinion and as again this is his opinion which you know i and maybe agree to some i'm somewhat he says like you know for 15k it's t- definitely not worth it and he doesn't even say it's worth the 2k he paid now i'll disagree with that um because you know uh i think i think fsd is that much better than eap now uh mm-hmm. mainly because the eap has had zero updates right um for a while so I'll yeah. disagree with him that at 2K it's worthless. I think at 2K that was probably a, a pretty good purchase. I think. I mean, overall though, it's still pretty expensive uh, because I had to pay for enhanced autopilot, and you know, I think for me total it was still like maybe a five thousand dollar 
Uh, I think back then it was, it was, it was 3000 and then 4,000. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but, uh, it wasn't 15 K right with the charging now. <laughs> what I'll say is the, the crazy thing thinking about this in, in mind is so I first, uh, started developing software 30, about 30 years ago is when I, and I've been writing software. I've spent more money on the software of my car than I've spent <laughs> on developer tooling in my entire life of 30 years of writing software and developing, uh, which is also how I make my livelihood and make, you know, all the money that I make that I can afford the Tesla. And it's kind of crazy to think about from that perspective is like, I spent more money just on my car software. What was I thinking? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's, it's, it's a lot of money. Um, and just to finish with this guy, so he talks about, you know, what works. He, you know, he likes Navigate on autopilot, the lane change, whatever. And, you know, I think he thinks Summon works. I'll have to disagree with him there. Um, but uh, he's saying these things. to work right. right. Here's the thing that don't work. Auto park, Smart Summon. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's differentiating Summon from Smart Summon. Yeah, definitely. Summon works if you're just saying rolling forward and rolling backward. Yes, that works. So it doesn't work. Auto park, Smart Summon. Auto steer on city streets, traffic and stop sign control. He says those are all gimmicks and and barely useful. Um, I think I think city streets is actually pretty good. Um, I think stop sign control is actually relatively good, actually. But um, he's definitely right that uh, smart summon not so great. Um, and auto park is that one's useless. One, that's the one that's really embarrassing because uh, you know you can get lots of companies have that. Plenty of other vehicles have have auto park and it works right. And oh, you know one of the things I didn't mention about my long trip that is a real issue, and I, I'll put this in the same same basket of auto park is the uh, windshield wipers <laughs> out of nowhere. And this is embarrassing. I'm like driving people around in in Atlanta, and we're just and you know we're just driving all uh, nowhere. What? It's not raining. What? It'll just start going and I'll have to go through the trouble of trying to turn it off. And if I'm using FSD, guess what? Off is grayed out. So I can't even turn it off. <laughs> Best I can do is turn it to uh, to one so it doesn't go as frequently because sometimes it just goes nuts out of nowhere. Uh, and, we've, and we talked about why. Why does auto park not work and why does the rain sensor not work, right? It doesn't work because uh, compared to other people, right, to, to other manufacturers, because other manufacturers have a, here's a package, here's a, a encapsulated thing, like, you know, by Bosch or somebody, right? Here's the thing, the unit that does the auto park for you. Here's the unit that does the, uh, the um, you know, the smart wipers. And that's a self-contained unit and it works, right? Whereas here's Tesla uh using their general sensors right their sensors that do lots of things and then just putting some you know some neural net that's supposed to do that job and it's a low priority compared to all the other things right they're going to make more money getting fsd to work right than getting their auto park to work right or getting their windshield wipers to work right so it's that's a lower priority and it doesn't work. But interns well. are for though they should yeah, just sissy. dedicate Ouch. one Hire smart intern <laughs> on thing, that it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing yes. that those things don't work as well yeah. as cheaper vehicles that have been that, around that, for that, that intern decades. is why your wiper doesn't work right. No, it's they literally <laughs> they, like I think I feel like an intern would do well. They literally like do no one like literally no one works on it for months or you know years at a time. They just kind of leave it alone. 
At least that's what it seems like. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, and I think that has probably has to do with the somewhat, somewhat the management style, right? Uh, Elon, uh, you know, as they say in the, uh, you know, Isaacson says he doesn't multitask. He like serially hyper focuses. He hasn't thought about <laughs> auto park in a long time. He definitely hasn't thought about the windshield wipers in a long time. And it, you know, it's what he's complaining about probably that, uh, that then trickles down to somebody actually doing something about it. Right. Uh, and I'm sure they all had plenty of things to work on. And if he's not complaining about that, then the, the problem is. is he lived in California and now he lives in Austin and neither of those places. Does it rain often enough for him to get the damn wipers to be fixed? Except, <laughs> except that there's no rain and yet they turn on anyway. <laughs> okay. And that's the experience. Right? They just yep. come up for no real reason. Uh, and it's especially bad, like, you know, I, I'll be, went down to say Boca Chica where there's a lot of sand blowing up and, uh, you know, hey, okay, I just scratch up my windshield because <laughs> I just wet drag some sand across the glass <laughs> <laughs> or dry drag some sand across yeah. the, the glass. Like, come on, man. Uh, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, at least, at least they're, uh, I don't know, making improvements on some things. Uh, FSD itself is feeling pretty great and, you know, V12, man. But let's, let's see it. Let's hopefully that comes out soon. We all get to experience it. But, uh, so yeah, so they, else? they, well, just one more thing. And, um, you know, we talked about they reduced the price in FSD and part of that is them able to sort of turn their knobs for, you know, supply demand, mm -hmm. right? Um, and similarly, it's been this referral program, which, you know, for a while was, pretty uh, low in value. And then they sort of added some value to it um, in terms of people actually getting cash. But, um, you know, they added some things where, uh, uh, you know, you have like a sweepstakes, you know, uh, where you can like get a raffle to get a Cybertruck. And I also recently noticed there's a raffle to get a performance Model 3. Um, they don't tell you anything about what are your odds of winning? Right. Yeah. So you have no what sense of what the actual value is there. Yeah. And uh, what I find interesting is that they have for, and I, I think if I remember correctly, for 2,500 referral credits, you can get um, premium connectivity, which costs 10 bucks a month, uh, which I tend to get because I like to have the, uh, the sort of satellite type maps on the, on, and also the main, the main feature that actually makes sense to pay for if you want is to be able to sort of get live video from the car, right. To, you know, to see what's around it. To me, that's a, okay. That's a, a useful feature. Um, 10 bucks a month, you get that for a year for, you know, for 2,500 uh, referral points. Okay. But now they've added for 15,000 referral points, you can get a factory tour. Uh, that seems kind of nuts to me. 15,000 points. Uh, like it used to be, you could go get a factory tour just for being an owner and you'd have to like sort of sign up for it and they'd schedule it. But I mean, supposedly, I guess if they have enough, uh, enough owners now that that's a thing that has more demand, but that seems yeah. uh, grossly overpriced, uh, just for a, a factory tour. Um, but it's another way for them to sort of burn through these credits, I guess, if they want to, you know, give some people something to use for these credits, I suppose it might Monopoly be very valuable. Money. <laughs> yeah, it's basically monopoly money. But uh yeah, I find that a little like to me, like what would I pay for a tour of the factory? Like I don't know, twenty bucks maybe? Not 
like you know i don't know do we do the math on that like when if you if you give a value based on the um if you give a value based on the connectivity right so that's a value of 120 dollars right 12 months and that's 2500 <laughs> if we're gonna do math on live on the air <laughs> so, so 2500 means uh 2500 720 dollars 720 dollars for a tour for of a factory bank. tour yeah like i'd even be willing to pay like a hundred bucks but 700 no absolutely not <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, 100 that's would be the good. absolute like ceiling <laughs> that i'd be willing to do um, now there's a little bit of a differentiation in that you know looking at it they're they're offering the fremont plant and the austin plant now austin would be much more interesting to see like i've yes. seen the fremont plant like maybe four or five times uh austin is you know new construction and you know should be more state-of-the-art and it's definitely much much bigger uh so yeah, yeah but still not even 700 bucks come on and they don't it's not like they cover a room and board or anything like that so uh <laughs> they're not playing for your flight or or giving yeah. you a place to stay yeah that's uh hmm. i yeah that's that's an interesting decision but you know again he said it's monopoly money so um you know, they can change it and do what they want with it, right? It costs them nothing, right? So just like those, uh, without knowing the um, the odds, those raffles basically cost them nothing, right? I mean, the chance could be one in a billion or something, you know? Yeah, I I feel like there's got to be some legality there, right? I mean, obviously, Tesla's lawyers are way better than I will ever be at law, even even if I became a lawyer um, and I'm not a lawyer. But like, isn't there some legality around raffles and things where you have to say the odds for something? If there's financial, like, I don't know. I guess not. It's not a lottery, technically, because you're not spending real money. Maybe because yeah. it's monopoly money, you can get away with monopoly not saying money. what your odds are. I mean, it used to be with a lot of these things, there had to be a way to join the raffle without paying. Right, if it's a sweepstakes, you have to be able to yeah. enter without paying. But like, yeah, it's weird. It's like, I don't know. I would think they can't not let you do that. But since you're not spending money directly to buy it, maybe they get away with it. I'm not sure. I, I certainly, or maybe they tell the odds after you buy it. If anyone has purchased one and you get an odds email, let us know. Right. It's a very interesting, interesting thing. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like actual value to me, uh, yeah, like I said that. Uh, you know, I got some supercharger stuff. I should have done it before I went on my trip. Uh, <laughs> the supercharger, uh, credits are, you know, useful. And then, uh, yeah, the, um, the premium co connectivity since I do that. And that is a, you know, that's a 10 bucks every month. It's kind of, you know, that can add right. up, but like, yeah, I would, you know, I don't really care for the Cybertruck, but if I won one, I'd be like, Hey, that's cool. I'd probably drive around for a little bit and then sell it. Cause I don't really have a need for it. But like a performance model three, you know, I'd take that and sell my current car. Uh, that'd be cool. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, that'd be neat. But, but would it be a Project Highland? I don't yeah, know. You, I don't know. What, you want the Highland not. refresh? Yeah. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> they don't have that yet. May not ever. I don't know. We'll see. Rumors about. Alrighty. So that's our show, folks. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, as always. Um, Thank you to the producers uh, and Danny and Adam and James and those helping behind the scenes. Uh, Seb, we'll see you probably next time. I don't know. We'll be around. Um, and uh, yeah, 
If you uh, want to become a supporting member, you can always go to teslamotorsclub.com. Do that. Uh, like and subscribe, yada, yada. Standard standard social media nonsense. Go to Twitter. We have a Twitter account and all that good stuff. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next time, and we appreciate it. Laters. Laters. Later, nerds. <laughs>